It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors. <sighs> oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1304 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, where you can find all of my work, as I've been covering the Raptors for a long time, nine seasons. Uh, it's never been as ugly as it is right now. Uh, please go and support the uh, podcast as well. You can go follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show on all your favorite podcast apps. It's always appreciated when you take the time to do that. We are also on YouTube. If you want to go subscribe to the video version of the show each and every day, just go to the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel. Just plug Lockdown Raptors into the little search bar. It'll come up. You hit subscribe, and you have done your duty to support the show it's very much appreciated when you do that so thanks in advance also thanks today to linkedin jobs who are bringing you today's episode who they help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nba all right boy oh boy welcome to the panic episode i guess or maybe it's not panic maybe it's just on the teetering edge of panic I know a lot of Raptors fans are certainly panicking at the moment. I don't know if you can really blame people for that because this has been rough. Five straight losses now on the heels of a game on Friday against the Nets where, hey, things were looking up maybe a little bit. Yeah, you lose to a Kyrie Irving buzzer beater, but Kyrie Irving does that. There was a lot of good in that game. You overcame a not-so-great Pascal Siakam game with a brilliant Scotty Barnes game and another 39-piece from Fred Van Vliet. The defense looked a little bit more attentive and sort of on the ball. And you figure, wow, bummer you lose that game. Real, real punch in the groin. But you take what you had in that game on Friday. You apply it on Sunday in an easy game against a struggling Warriors team where Steph Curry's out and Andrew Wiggins is out. And you figure that's the get well game. But instead... Of getting well, the Raptors go and drink a bucket of cyanide, and uh, it makes them very bad at defense, as it turns out. Um, on today's show, we're going to dig into sort of the very not-fineness of the current situation for your 13-17 and 17 Toronto Raptors. We're going to dig into sort of what the solutions could be. There's lots of things to point to on the court, in the front office, on the sidelines, all of that. Um, we'll get into why any sort of notion at this point of tanking for Wembenyama is stupid. Uh, plus, we got the good, the bad, and the hmm. Uh, very little good to speak of, but we'll get to that at the end of the show, as we always do when we recap these games. But let's dive in to my biggest takeaway, which... Look, for 10 years almost, I have been 
pretty much the captain, the chief, the the president, whatever, of It's Fine Island. If you're not familiar with Lockdown Raptors lore, usually when the Raptors have a bad spell, I try to take the 10,000-foot view and say, hey, things are fine, honestly. Big picture, this team is well-run, things will probably work out, and luckily, for me at least... Things typically have worked out in the past. You know, you think back to the 14-15 sweep against the Wizards. For me, that was a bummer, but it wasn't any sort of reason to tear the whole team down. There were lots of real reasons that went into it, stuff to change and tweak, and then they did that. There were stretches in the next season where, you know, the, the Raptors look like they're completely at the mercy of Jimmy Butler, and oh my goodness, should you trade Kyle and DeMar and tear this whole thing down? Nope. Didn't have to do that. Things worked out just fine for that team, and they continued on until it got to the point where they had to trade DeMar, at which point they did. You get into the, you know, Kawhi leaving situation. I still felt pretty good about what the team was going to do. They go and win 60 games the following season. It's all sort of been coming up roses for the Raptors and the folks on It's Fine Island for a very long time. But as of today... It's Fine Islands looking at the waterline as the sea levels continue to creep up, and it's getting a little uh, dicey, scary. Uh, you're building a raft. Am I, am I starting to fashion a raft and get my volleyball on the boat ready to go set sail? I, I'm not quite at full abandoned ship or abandoned island just yet, but it's certainly getting a little weird. 13 and 17... The last, the last five games, man, like there have been some good moments in there, but there have been a lot of really bad ones. The defense has been pathetic. Frankly, the defense against the Warriors on Sunday was just like laughably bad for a team that's whole thing is we play defense and everything flows from that. They've completely lost that. And look, there are a lot of reasons for what is going on right now. We talked last week about how I think the front office was justified in the offseason in saying, hey, we don't have these answers to these questions that we have when it comes to center play and shooting and rim protection just yet. But we do think we have those options internally. We think Christian Coloco can step in and be that guy. We think Precious Achua can build upon what he did last year as a shooter and rim protector. We think Otto Porter Jr. as an addition is going to really help things. We think Thad Young can help grease the wheels of the half-court offense. And someone somewhere is going to, you know, bounce back, whether it's Chris Boucher becoming a better three-point shooter or sort of settling into the middle of where he's been in the past or Scotty Barnes taking a leap, Pascal Siakam bouncing back. All of that... It hasn't happened. Some of those things have taken place. Pascal and Scotty have kind of had a bit of a resurgence from three, or at least slight improvements or upticks. That's great. But otherwise, that hasn't happened. And we've talked about that. The front office sort of leaving it to internal development and it not happening leaves them now in this position where they've got to go do something. You Look. They're injured. This is also a big part. There's four of their nine rotation players predicted before the season out of the lineup right now. OG is incredibly important on both ends of the floor for this team. He's a walking paint touch. He's one of the best defenders alive. Not having him is huge. Precious Achua might be the second best player on the Raptors. I still might go Pascal Siakam, but potato potato, they're both very good. Not having Precious, not having his rim protection, not having his ability to switch onto guys in the perimeter, that's massive. Gary Trent Jr. not being in the lineup, he is a turnover demon when he's at his best, gets the Raptors out on the run. He's also one of their only three-point shooters who can offer a semblance of space for Pascal Siakam as he's driving into the guts of the defense, swarmed by four dudes. Gary Trent Jr. takes one of those dudes out of the equation and makes it a little bit easier to operate for all of the Raptors' best players. And then not having Otto Porter Jr., maybe the Raptors were foolish to bank on the health of Otto Porter Jr., but like, 
What we saw from him in his eight games was exactly what we thought he was going to bring. Defense, turnovers, uh, rebounding, the odd three here and there. Just like offering proper geometry to the lineup season. Not having those guys matters. It, it You can't overstate how much it not it matters to not have those guys and how much the whole injury cycle of guys in and out has really, I think, decayed the continuity that they came into the season with. That's a factor. But you also, if you're the front office, you can't just sit there and say, well, we, we, we're, if we're healthy, it's going to be fine. This team hasn't been healthy historically over the last couple of seasons. The whole NBA continues to suffer with health and you know injuries and attrition of an 82-game season. You should probably have a bit of a contingency plan in place, and the Raptors just didn't have that. You throw in the fact that Nick Nurse, faced with the reality that there is not the personnel on hand to play his preferred style of defense, the fact that Nick Nurse has not really shown a whole lot of ingenuity when it comes to how the Raptors run their offense, again, injuries, lack of personnel is a part of that, but still, and it just kind of comes together in this one big nasty mess, and it leaves you with all of these different little, sort of little to medium problems without any certainty as to what the first one to address is. And you're sitting here now, and it's not really exactly clear what comes next for this Raptors team. Look, they could go and win four in a row, and things will be f- totally fine. The water levels will be going back down. The landfills will be put in around the edges as we expand the size of its fine island. All of that stuff could very well happen. Judging anything and having the whole discourse determined by the outcome of each and every game is a very silly way to live. And, you know, these things turn around. NBA seasons are long. There are swoons. The Raptors were 14-17 and 17 last season. And we're the second best team in the Eastern Conference after January 1st. That's not to say that's going to happen again, but they had the capacity to do it. And it's the same personnel with a lot of them just getting better over the course of the offseason between OG, Fred, you know, I guess Fred's not, he's just healthier than he was at the end of last season, but he's not necessarily better. Pascal's better. Scotty Barnes, I think you could argue in areas is better and areas is worse, but still the, the pieces of a team that just won 48 games and were the talk of the back part of the season, non-Celtics division in the Eastern Conference, that's still there. There's still something here. There's still reason to believe that this crew without doing anything can turn things around, but at some point that belief has to be met with some actual wins on the board and they're 13 and 17. They're by no means out of it when it comes to making it into the top six necessarily. They're probably a little too far gone at this point to track down the Cavs for third, even the Nets for fourth or the Sixers for fifth. Maybe you're just talking about sixth, and maybe that's disappointing to some people. But we did say at the start of this season, they could finish lower than they did last year and still have it be a successful year. As of right now, that's not the case because things are not successful. Things have regressed. And now there's all this uncertainty. You have the sort of the, the, the national narrative creeping in of, oh, should they just blow it all up? We'll talk about why that's stupid in just a second here. But it is a really difficult thing to figure out what the next step is because there's so much going on right now. Figuring out the number one issue is, I mean, I guess it's why I'm not paid to do it. That's why Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and Nick Nurse are in those positions. We're going to get in in just a second into some of the things I think they can try to do and also things that they shouldn't do, which is, you know, overreact or overcorrect. We'll get to that in just one second here on the show. And uh, hopefully, I don't know, we'll be, be better off and better moods by the end of the segment. Who's to say? We'll find out, I suppose. But before we get into anything else, got to tell you about our friends today over at LinkedIn Jobs. Toronto Raptors could do some hiring right now, whether it's, uh, you know, an offensive coordinator, whether it's someone who can shoot a three-pointer at better than 35%. 
whether it's someone who can make a proper rotation on defense, the Raptors might be in the market. And just like the Raptors, every hire for you and your small business feels like a one, like a massive, massive gamble. But you got to be 100% certain that you got the right people for the job and the best candidates applying for your jobs. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So, for example, the Raptors go out and make a little hiring profile on, on, their, on their LinkedIn page and say, hey, we're looking for a, someone who can shoot and defend the rim. They are going to put that up there. They're going to put the purple hiring frame around their profile avatar, and then the applications are going to come pouring in. And they might get applications from guys who can't shoot or guys who are five foot nine, or guys who are very bad rim protectors who play center, whatever it might be. With the wonderful screening questions and tools that LinkedIn has, they're going to be able to pick the players who actually fit what they need on the roster and interview those players instead. This is not how basketball works. I know, but just let me stretch the analogy for the purposes of our pals at LinkedIn. Would you? LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Sean Woodley guiding you through it. Man, normally on this show, I really like to try to make it fun to be a Raptors fan. That's kind of the whole ethos of the show. But boy, oh boy, it's not easy to be fun right now because things are just spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. The defense, I I can't get over how poorly the defense was executed against the Warriors last night. Like truly, truly apathetic totally just out to lunch, not knowing ex- like where to go, not knowing the scheme. There just there's no ideas out there. Boy, oh boy. Let's get into some of the things the Raptors can do right now and things maybe they shouldn't do as well as they sort of plot the course forward here for the next few weeks. First of all is win games. Like, that's number one. Just, like, get a win on the board, please. Will it come tonight against the Sixers on the second night of a back-to-back with Joel Embiid playing out of his mind? Probably not. That sucks. It's bad. You should have won the game last night, really. It was a valuable one to try to get. But instead, they are staring at the barrel of 13 and 18, unless they can pull something out of their butts tonight against the Sixers. Problem is, there's not a whole lot they can throw at Joel Embiid tonight, because one of the things that they can change is no longer playing Christian Coloco. He is, in theory, the guy you throw up against Joel Embiid or any other big center, the guy who, at his very best we've seen, can make the Raptors' defense elevate. He is the guy who can clean up the messes. He's the guy who can be there as the back line of defense for Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet, all the best players on the team, funneling stuff to Christian Coloco or just allowing runs to the rim because of their very aggressive scheme. Christian Coloco, when he's performed well this season, has been really exciting and I think gives a lot of hope for the future. But right now, he ain't ready. He's got to be hopping on the my way to Mississauga to play for the 905 today. He is just not ready 
for the rigors of being an NBA center on a team with ambition. It's just not working. He's out of position a lot. He has really a hard time finishing on the offensive end. I don't know if I've ever seen a dude seven foot one get blocked on dunk attempts so often as Christian Coloco. It's really, really rough right now. And again, this doesn't mean I think Christian Coloco was going to be bad long term. I think he's going to be a pretty valuable piece for this team moving forward. But right now, he's just, he's part of the problem. The fouls are incessant. The getting out of position and just like the, the, the total zero he is on offense cramps things for Pascal Siakam. There's just no driving lanes for Siakam right now. We've seen his touch be off the last couple of games. A little bit better performance from him last night against the Warriors, to be fair. But, um, you know, we've seen the touch be wonky. We've seen the, the, the contests and the number of limbs going and trying to contest his shots when he's in those sort of thickets of, of bodies in the paint. All of it's complicated by Coloco's presence out there right now. Um, he's not opening up a pick and roll game. They haven't thrown a lob to him, it seems, in like a month. It's just he's not doing enough as a rookie to justify being on the floor right now. That leaves the Raptors in a precarious spot, though, because they don't really have a center to fill in. Ken Birch is the best they got, I think, and I, I would probably start Ken Birch tonight against the Sixers just to see if a different look than Coloco can work. He's had good stretches this season, whether he can do it over the course of 20, 25, almost 30 minutes. Who's to say? He's obviously been banged up for the last year and a half. He's never been quite the same player that he was when he first came over at the end of the Tampa season during the garbage time phase of that year. Um, but it just, he's got to be the guy you try because Coloco ain't working right now. And it just seems like there's too much of a leash for a guy who is just really not doing anything at a high level at the moment. There are certainly flashes, but it just hasn't been regular enough in recent weeks. And I do think Coloco himself would benefit from playing under less rigor and stress for the 905. The 905, who were seven and nine, by the way, kind of struggling going into the showcase next week. Like, why not send Coloco down there? Have him work with a Jeff Doughton Jr. on being a dive man in the pick and roll. Have him work on drop coverage. Have him work on hedging high. Have him work on all the stuff you're going to be asking your center to do in the environment where every single loss doesn't feel like a, an anvil being dropped on the entire you know team's head. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's just, it's gotten to the point now where I think it's untenable for Coloco to stay on in there. You know, on top of that, I mean, what else can you do? I, the changing of the schemes, that's really the thing, right? Like, can they play a more relaxed, toned-back style of defense where they're not completely selling out to force the ball into guys' hands? There were so many times last night, uh, and our pal Jamar Hines linked a couple of these videos in his recap over at Raptors Republic, um, you know, just of completely forgetting that there's a whole backside of the floor to cover when you get up high above the arc you try to force the ball to Jordan Poole's hands who Jordan Poole was incredible last night but the Raptors just kind of let him be incredible in a lot of spots letting him walk into jumpers letting him sort of create after you send to his way the the back cuts the just like the parade of buckets at the rim just again totally Totally pathetic. It was one of the worst defensive performances I think I've ever seen. It was just so, so scattershot, no plan whatsoever. And the schemes, like Nick Nurse needs to realize and kind of come to God and realize the people are not on the roster to allow him to play his preferred style of defense. So there has to be some adaptation. Do you just play zone for 40 minutes a game? Maybe that's what you do to simplify things. Look, teams other than the Raptors are eventually going to figure out zone. But I did think last night they went to it a little bit in that Warriors game. And there were moments where it looked pretty good. And... That feels like a way to overcome the lack of perimeter defense you have right now. 
to overcome a lot of the different shortcomings going on on the defensive end right now. It's just simplify things. And it's not that you can just play zone all the time. It's not a one thing is the solution type of situation. But clearly what they're doing isn't working. They're down at 22nd right now in the NBA in points allowed per play in the half court. Um, it, it's it's like the teams that are alongside. Washington, Utah, Houston, Chicago. This is not the company you want to be keeping as a half court defense. Their transition game is not nearly as devastating at the moment. OG obviously is a big part of that. He's a big driver of that. Not having him there is huge. Not having Gary Trent Jr. to hit those threes on the trail or on the wing, that's also huge. They're just, they're not able to play within their identity. And it's a lot to ask of a coach to switch up the identity of the team on the fly. But Nick Nurse has proven to be adaptable in the past. And he's a smart guy. There's a lot of brains in that room. There has to be something they can do to simplify the defense right now, to allow the guys on the floor just a half a chance at competing and offering some sort of resistance because it's not there right now. On the offensive end, I mean, there's just they, they seem like they're totally out of ideas. As much as there were some great moments in that Nets game, it really did feel just so laborious with the, all right, let's do it, get the switch again. We're going to go and post up. We're going to try to, you know, get Scotty going down and, and, and posting up a small guy stationary-wise. We're going to... Like, it's just, it's too much mismatch ball. It's clunky. They're not getting good stuff out of the mismatch ball because there's no one to space for the guys attacking said mismatches. So you're seeing extra help come. You're seeing turnovers. You're seeing just a complete degradation of what the Raptors' peak version of themselves figures to be. And so, like, there's got to be some sort of schematic alteration until you get your horses back and you figure, hey, maybe we can actually play our style of defense a little bit more effectively. But again, there's the energy question. Are they sapping all their energy playing such a high-octane style of defense? It all, I think, comes back to scheme. But again, it's not like I have the answers. I don't know what schemes to run. I'm not a professional NBA head coach. This is not my job to figure out. But there has to be something in terms of an alteration of some kind here. And, you know, again, I don't know exactly what that is. But you plainly look. The things they're doing are not working. If you could say, hey, the process is there. They're getting killed with bad luck shooting from the other team or whatever it might be be, then you could kind of be okay with it. But the the process is not there. The process is miserable right now. And you have to wonder if just like a simplification, making it so guys have to think just a little bit less playing defense, making it so every defensive possession doesn't hang, have this huge importance to it as well, because the offensive end is so just destitute right now. It's all really, really grim. And how you turn it around again is not something I know. Honestly, it's just it, the players got to play better too, right? Like it, it, it's, again, there's no one thing to point to. It's just a lot of little things compiling into one really, really ugly concoction right now. All that said, I do think the one thing the Raptors should not be doing right now is entertaining the idea of tanking or blowing it up as some notable ringer writers like to suggest. And look, I like Kevin O'Connor. He's great, great writer. Um, but like his urge to blow every team up when they lose a few games is like, a, it's kind of a running bit at this point. And I, I respect the commitment to the bit. As a longtime committed, it's fine island guy, I get it. But the idea of blowing up the Raptors just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense considering the landscape of the league, considering where the team is at right now, considering the players they have on hand. You tank when you don't have hope, when you don't have high blue chip style players on your team. The Raptors already have Scotty Barnes. They got their lottery luck. There's no need to go test that again. 
They have Pascal Siakam, who's a top 15 player who seems as though an extension is going to be telegraphed for in the offseason. They're just waiting to see if he's going to get Supermax or not. Either way, it doesn't seem like the Raptors and Siakam are, you know, just like fixing to break up at this point. Unless he says, I want out. You do not trade a top 15 player. That is how you end up riding the wheel of mediocrity, riding the wheel of tanking and hoping for lottery odds for a very long time. You're not trading Pascal Siakam. OG Ananobi is an extremely valuable player. He's 25 years old. You're going to happily extend him in a year as well. And that's not a guy you trade. It's These are the kinds of players you tank to get. The Raptors are too good as well to go and tank for Victor Wembanyama. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. You look at the Eastern Conference right now. I don't think the Raptors can even tank below where they are right now, which is 10th, which is in the play-in. You've got the Bulls below them. The Bulls stink. The Wizards are horrible. The Hornets are awful. The Pistons don't have Cade and have been just an abject failure all season long. And the Magic, while spunky and interesting, have already banked 20 losses and don't seem to me like the kind of team that's going to be able to make a sustained run at the 10 seed in the Eastern Conference. Maybe you could talk yourself into that, but even if so, that's four other teams the Raptors in the East are going to be at least better than. And then you have the Spurs, who are like excellent at being terrible. The Rockets, who are miserably bad, there will surely be some other teams. The Lakers don't have Anthony Davis for the next month. They're going to be miserable and hand their pick off to the Pelicans, probably. They're just not going to be good enough to tank into a proper spot to get luck, enough luck, high enough odds to make it worth pissing this season away. You have Pascal Siakam at the peak of his powers. You have Fred Van Vliet, who you're still trying to figure out if he's going to be part of the long-term plans or not. OG is really good. There's a roster here at full health that is a good team that was projected before the season to be a third seed, fourth seed, fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, the team nobody wanted to play. You don't just throw that away because you lost five games in a row. You look for other solutions first before doing some sort of tear down or rebuild. Now, look, over the course of the next couple of months, it might come into reality that Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. with their pending contract situations become the guys who maybe you ship off. And that's a reality we might have to come to grips with. But that's still not making you bad enough to tank for Victor Wembanyama. And beyond those two guys, and maybe a Chris Boucher, who I think at this point is maybe like an interesting trade candidate considering his play has fallen off, his three-point shooting is really hurting them, every miss feels like just a total backbreaker from him, Um, maybe he's a guy you look at just because of the size of his contract more than anything else that you throw into a deal to try to make some sort of trade. You know, if you had Bojan Bogdanovic playing Chris Boucher's minutes, I feel like the Raptors might be in a better spot as of right now, as much as I like Chris Boucher. So those guys, maybe they get shipped off before the deadline, but anything more than that, I mean, you're just, you're going full on NBA 2K brain worms, galaxy brain mode. And it's just, it's not happening. This will be the last time I talk about tanking for Victor Wembanyama on this podcast. Felt like I had to address it because a very notable national writer made it a whole thing, but like get a grip. It's not happening. That's not how it works. That's not, they're not bad enough to do that. And you're not going to trade away the three guys, Barnes, OG, and Siakam, who are clearly three dudes you can go to war with, three dudes you can build a team around that makes a lot of sense. They don't have the team that makes sense around them right now, but that doesn't mean you go and trade them to try to figure things out down the line, not to mention the way you'd be sapping the supporting cast that Scotty Barnes has. How many times have we seen teams who have these transcendent potential stars have really bad supporting casts, and then six years later, that guy is asking out? That's a one-way track to having that happen, too. You're not tanking. You're not going for Wemby. It's just not happening. So of all the things the Raptors can do, 
The one they shouldn't be doing, and I, I think they're probably too smart to even entertain, is the idea of tanking and, and sort of throwing the season away. This is a team that, with a couple of alterations and fixes, is not that far out of the conversation in the playoffs in the playoffs in the East right now. There's plenty of runway to make up ground. This should be about addressing the holes on the roster right now, not creating new ones to fill multi-years down the line with draft picks. It's just not the way that you build a good team. I'm sorry. You don't build... Yes, if you are in total disarray, you have no hope for the future, sure. Tear it down, try to do the process thing, whatever. But the Raptors are not in that spot. They have plenty of good going for them, and you just you set yourself back so far by trading away your good players. And maybe that's not even the suggestion of trading Siakam or OG, whatever. But... To fully tank, you would have to trade those guys, in my estimation, and that's just not going to happen. Anyway, we'll continue on here. Get to the third segment, the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the show. Before we do that, though, got to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, who are your number one place to bet uh, and find all the information you need before you bet as well this season. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football, college bowl season, basketball, and soccer. World Cup's over, but now we get to dive back into club season. Maybe you're a Champions League fan. Maybe you want to get in on the bandwagon for Tottenham Hotspur as they start their Champions League campaign in the knockout round against AC Milan in February. You can do all of that, and you can be informed before you put your money down with Bet Online. They have injury reports, podcasts, all sorts of ways and tools to give you the intel you need before placing your hard-earned money down on a bet. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, we move on now to the good, the bad, and the hmm from the weekend, where I run through a thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that's got me a little intrigued going forward. The good for me, I mean, slim pickings, dude. Very slim pickings, but I think for me, the good is Scotty Barnes and his finish against the Nets in particular. He finishes that game 6 of 6 after starting twelve of, 2 of 12. Um, the downhill force with which he was driving, the finishing around the basket, the switching hands, the finishing over contact, the just sort of the, the bullying nature of his drives, it kind of reminds you, oh yeah, this guy has like a really, really special thing, a special, you know, set of ingredients as a player. And it's great when it all comes through. You know, the, the it's obviously been up and down so far for Scotty this season. There have been plenty of swoons as he's, I think, sort of... A, trying to adjust to the league, which has adjusted to him. And it's sort of figuring out your counters to the league's counters. This happens. He's a second-year player. This is expected. Um, but I think it's nice to get those sort of moments of, oh, God, this guy. Uh, like, to the point where Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Fred Van Vliet and all these guys are, are sort of singing his praises after that game. 
that's the kind of stuff that gets you back in, gets you sort of drinking the Kool-Aid on this team. You know, the vision for this team, I think, was Scotty Barnes becomes one of the three most important players, even one of the two most important players on this team. You have the dueling heads of the snake and Pascal and Scotty, everyone else kind of working around off of those guys. And you saw there in that Friday close against the Nets, which ended, of course, extremely unfortunately, but the lead into it, I think, was uh, really, really impressive stuff. And I think you have to come away feeling pretty good from this weekend about Scotty Barnes. Less of an impressive game against the Warriors, but everyone's in that bucket. It was a really, really miserable performance, top to bottom, for everybody in that game. Leads me to the bad. Um, you know, over the weekend, I think everybody but Fred, Siakam, Barnes, and Malachi Flynn, of all people, kind of fell flat for me. And honestly, I think number one right now is Thad Young's impact feels... Like, it's just not there right now. And I think it makes sense. Again, Thad Young plays better. He's an amplifier. He plays better when he plays with good players. And he's able to connect them and sort of be that connective tissue. Not a lot of good players right now that he's playing and sharing the floor with, or guys who are not playing well, at least. And it, it just seems like the impact's a little bit less. They're not really using him at all to grease the wheels of the half-court offense right now. They've kind of totally gone away from working him at the elbows. It's just a lot of, like, wide-open corner threes that are not going in, um, which, of course, teams are not going to guard those. He's not a good three-point shooter. He's just not. Um, but I, I think they got to sort of, if you're looking for ideas, back to the previous segment of how to sort of spruce up the offense— I feel like running Thad Young, some of those Marc Gasol-like packages through him, I feel like that's dissipated recently. And he is a very good guy who can kind of tie your lineups together, make it so Siakam and Barnes and OG and Fred don't have to be on the ball all the time. You can use their off-ball gravity to effect. You know, there's got to be another way to sort of use Thad here. I do think he should probably just be the backup center. If, you know, I don't think Coloco should be playing. I think Thad should be the backup five coming in behind Kem Birch, or, you know, I think Scotty Barnes should probably play some center, honestly, at this point to A, keep him away from the perimeter and B, kind of allow him to work on the rim protection stuff that has been kind of nice this year. Um, but yeah, it, Thad, it's been a little disappointing. Boucher, again, I, I think that's been disappointing too. Um, you know, a bit of a rough stretch stretch here for a guy who, you know, I, I think at his best is a six man of the year candidate. He's a guy who's that good. He's so impactful off the bench when he's at his best, but the touch has been off. And again, Every time he misses a catch-and-shoot three, because they're always wide open, they're always well-created by a Pascal or a Scotty or whomever, it just feels back-breaking, because you're just waiting for that dam to come back and open up and get back to that Tampa season where he was just bombing them in at a high rate. It's just not happening. He's a 29% three-point shooter. I think it's just the, the case, and you got to live with it. And the fact that he's the guy that's your spacing option a lot of the time is not helping matters either. And so I don't know if it's entirely Chris Boucher's fault. You know, he's obviously a guy who's going to be hurt by the lack of space and the fact that he's got to go do things that he's not ex exceptionally great at. Um, you know, he hasn't crashed the offensive glass. He certainly hasn't finished on, around the offensive glass like he did last year. Um, you know, again, I think Boucher has a lot to offer. And I think much like Thad, when the kind a team is at its full strength and he's just kind of able to be in his little silo he's fantastic but he's got to do a little bit too much now and it's just it's you know kind of everything is bad everything is bad right now um you know Coloco as I mentioned simply not ready Banton simply not ready you know the, these sort of role players even Wancho you gotta just hit your threes dude I know the rotational defense is very nice and um you know the cuts are beautiful but the the lack of three point accuracy night to night is is killing them. Like they they just they gotta get 
Wancho bombing in those threes. That's kind of what he's out there for. And if he's not, I mean, he's not a good enough one-on-one defender. He's, like again, a great positional defender, great moving within the team. But ultimately, like, if you can't stay in front of a dude, that's a problem. And if you can't hit your threes and can't stay in front of dudes, then I don't know what you're doing on the floor. Bit of a rough weekend for, for Wancho, minus a couple of really beautiful cuts here and there. Um, it's just... The, the team is not equipped to deal with these injuries, and a team with higher ambitions maybe should have addressed those problems before the season. My hunch is that the Raptors are totally fine kind of waiting here and seeing and getting information, but now they got to do something about it, and it's not easy to go just make a trade. Everyone's going to know the Raptors are in panic mode. Everyone's going to know that they're going to be able to hold them over a barrel, essentially, for whatever deals they want to make. They're not exactly negotiating from a position of strength right now, but it's very clear to me they got to go do something to supplement this roster in order to save this season before it goes completely off the tracks. And then we got the hmm. Uh, Malachi Flynn starts the second half against the Warriors. Not his most efficient game, but he hit four of eight from three. That's great to see. Um, you know, far more concerned about him hitting catch and shoot threes than I am with him sort of with self-created twos and getting into the, the teeth of the defense. Um, you know, I, I think Flynn has earned himself some run here. And look, does it get a little dicey when it's him and Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt defensively? Sure does, because Fred's not it right now, and, and Malachi, as much as he tries, is pretty weak and a little dainty and can kind of get knocked over by bigger guys. Um, but those two guys, I, I think, you know, they have been one of the highlights of the weekend as well. Um, you know, Fred, obviously, the, the back-to-back 39 burgers and losses, huge bummer, but, um, you know, he hit some threes last night as well. He was 4 of 10, so that's coming back a little bit, it seems. The three-point shooting in the last few games has felt a little less dire. Last couple of games, I guess, the Kings game was really bad for that. Um, and Flynn, I think, you know, it's not a coincidence. You bring Flynn in, he's going to add a little bit more shooting pop and that's going to help things all together. So keep on playing Flynn for sure. I, I think it was interesting. He started that second half and I do hope we see it a little bit more. Um, you know, honestly tonight, it, you know, why not start Flynn and Birch alongside Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam and, uh, and Scotty Martins, you know, you get the, 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 the dive man in theory, the guy who can hit those push shots in the short roll and chem, you've got Malachi Flynn, who can be a little extra creation, a little extra shooting for you. Maybe that's the move here. Maybe that's the starting lineup change. They go, they go with against the Sixers. Look, it could get pretty grim either way, uh, with them beat out there, but, um, I think that's maybe what I would do. And I, I like that Nick Nurse is actually kind of, Hey, you know, Flynn, you're taking the opportunity and running with it. You're going to get some minutes. He hasn't always run with it. And that's been the reason it's not like he's just played incredibly every time he gets in there and is being benched for no reason. He usually has a couple nice games. Then it falls off a cliff. Hasn't happened so far. Like to see it. So that's my hmm. And we're going to round out the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this wasn't too frantic and, uh, panicky and, angry maybe it wasn't angry enough for anybody maybe maybe people wanted more of me you know championing the idea of tanking or whatever it's not going to happen tanking stupid but um yeah we're going to round it all there thank you so much for tuning into the show we'll be back again tomorrow big v is going to pop by uh we'll recap the game against the sixers god could get real ugly uh in which case maybe we go full on uh panic mode and you know burn it all down tomorrow we'll see how fickle our opinions will be either way thank you so much for supporting the show and i hope this show, while the team is not performing well, can be a way to have more fun being a Raptors fan and kind of, you know, take some of the edge and seriousness off of it. It's just basketball, man. It's it's fun to be, like, fake angry and fake anguishy about it, but ultimately, it's all good. Um, but either way, I hope this podcast is a little bit of a salve for those who are feeling edgy and testy about the team these days. Thank you. We go make your second listen of the day. Locked on sports today. Pete Bukowski doing a great job filling in on all of the big developments around the sports world yesterday. I think there was a soccer game of some kind. Uh, they might talk about it there. Oh my God. That was incredible. Anyway, uh, we're at it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Bye-bye.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.